have Carolyn Rogers on today. And Carolyn, I'll pass it over to you and just tell us how you got started into Web3 and introduce yourself. Thanks, Matthew. Good to mm -hmm. be here. So Carolyn Rogers, I am head of marketing at a company called Blockhouse, which is a marketing and communications agency, as well as a product lab that is Web3 native, born in Web3 world, but also exploring other areas of emerging tech. So I've been there for a little over a year now. And prior to that, I had a very long career over nine years at IBM. And so at IBM is actually where I got my start in we didn't call it Web3 back in 2017, 2018. Not yet. It was blockchain. So I had a variety of roles in my career at IBM, both in the marketing side, a tour of duty around various technology areas, enterprise software areas at IBM, and eventually found my way to a product team, made the leap from marketing into product management, as well as to this new technology area that IBM was really going full force into of enterprise blockchain. And so I was on the team that was launching IBM's enterprise blockchain platform at the time. And this was brand new territory for especially a company like IBM. And for the industry overall, this it was a very exciting time of a lot of exploration in the blockchain space. And so I was seeing all of these projects that were emerging and developing and following, of course, Ethereum and what was Bitcoin doing and all of the various blockchain protocols that were emerging and maturing at the time. And from my side, we were looking at it from an enterprise perspective and how could this be applied to a traditional business and experimenting with that. So that got me into learning about all the different blockchain ecosystems and protocols out there. And eventually I was introduced to a variety of people working on different blockchains. Blockhouse in particular was doing a lot of work with the Tezos ecosystem in the last few years. I came to Blockhouse a little over a year ago and have been really entrenched in the Web3 space. I'm glad to be really in it now. So that's a little bit about my journey. That's awesome. When did IBM first get their start in blockchain? Do you Are you familiar with that? IBM was looking at, was seeing this technology emerging as early as 2013, 2014, seeing what Ethereum was doing. And that was what kind of what really sparked the interest of a company like IBM is, okay, we know that Bitcoin exists and people are transacting, they're, they're holding Bitcoin and hoping yeah. it, it makes them rich and all of that. But what was really exciting from a business perspective and an enterprise perspective is, okay, now Ethereum is taking this technology and you can basically write programs using on the blockchain with smart contracts. So that was what sparked a lot of interest in, okay, how do you use this technology and create software platforms, solutions using this technology? And so that's what's, that was what sparked IBM to actually go in and create its own version of that. That's a long story. It eventually became a project that is known as Hyperledger Fabric. That kind of became the permissioned blockchain underpinning that IBM had been using that used for a lot of consulting engagements and for the enterprise product that I was working on, took the principles of what it was seeing out in the market and applied it to a business setting so that's sort of how the, the evolution went there. I think it's interesting when people make career moves. You made one from IBM to BlockWorks. Did you redo your resume first or did you just DM the founder? Like, how'd you go about, first of all, thinking about you're going to get a new job and then actually going and getting a new job? How'd that work out for you? 
Yes, Blockhouse, by the way. <clears throat> Blockhouse, yeah. I'm sorry. Confused the viewers. Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> yes, I had been at IBM quite a long time and was had the opportunity to work on a lot of different technologies. And I knew that I wanted to stay in the emerging technology space, blockchain, Web3, and beyond. And it is, there's great opportunity to do that at a company like IBM, but I really wanted to be in it in a more experimental, flexible way. And so I knew that kind of going to a smaller firm was going to be a great experience for me. And that's what I was hoping to do. I'm sure I updated my resume along the way, but th this is a space where it's a very small world of Web3, really. And you start to get to know people in the space and they introduce you to other people and everybody's very connected and really knows each other. So it was really through a series of introductions that I got to know Mark, who is the founder of my company, Blockhouse, and it was the right role at the right time. And I was very happy to join. So moving into your nine to five every day, what is it that you do and how is it connected to blockchain? Are you trying to onboard people onto it? Are you trying to disseminate information and educate? What's your goal in your job? It is really a little bit of everything. So a lot of what Blockhouse has been able to provide is a full stack of marketing services for specifically blockchain protocols. And the thing about these projects, like for example, Tezos, which has been the bulk of our work in the last couple of years, but we're we are now expanding beyond that. These projects are decentralized and they don't follow a typical, there's no CEO, there's no corporate structure. It's a decentralized technology and there's teams within the ecosystem and projects that are building on this technology, which is open source and not, it may be governed, but it's better governed by the community, not by a, a corporate entity, generally speaking. So there is often a need to, so how do you market something like this? There's not like a corporate marketing arm they can just bring in. <laughs> yeah. And so you need a, a party like Blockhouse, which is a third party that is somewhat neutral, but has the ability to provide all of those services from, from events and social media and PR and communications and strategy from like the master brand marketing and design and creative and creating content. So it's really the full breadth of all of the things that I had experienced doing at IBM that you had several corporate teams <laughs> coming together <laughs> to do. We've been able to provide that as a sing single agency and plug and play for, for a decentralized ecosystem and a blockchain project. So one, as one a large aspect of what we do is taking very complex technologies, blockchain layer one technologies and helping them, uh, helping the ecosystems achieve their goals of onboarding developers, creating awareness for a more crypto curious mass audience, brand partnerships, that kind of thing, but also helping brands, traditional brands who want to think about Web3 initiatives, how do they show up in Web3, and then helping them figure out also what is the right way to approach this space and how do they think about the technology. So it's a little bit of everything and it's very exciting for me to get to work with a lot of different teams and projects. I bet it is. And I think we were talking off recording. I The purpose of doing this podcast is really just to be familiar with blockchain, be familiar with what people are talking about, where it's going, and trying to find a place for us. And I bet 
a lot of brands, even much larger than us, are having that same question. So do y'all do like like a learning session? Like how do you go about teaching somebody that not a brand that knows nothing about it, but seeing where they fit in Web3 or blockchain? How do y'all go about mm -hmm. making that happen for them? Well, I'm very glad you asked because we actually just put out our guide to Web3, our Blockhouse guide to Web3 uh, oh, cool. a week or two ago. I'd love to share nice. it with you yeah. after the show and maybe you can post it along with this podcast. But if outlines are from the Blockhouse perspective and our work with both brands and end users and the technologies, how we see the space evolving and acknowledging the craziness that we experienced in 2022 as well. Let's, that's the elephant in the room. Uh, it was a really hard year for the crypto space and the catastrophes of FTX, Luna and Terra collapse. These things really obviously put a damper and created some discouragement in the space, but also I think it was a bit of a reality check to make people working in the blockchain Web3 space really interrogate, what are we trying to do here? And how are these bad actors? These bad actors are taking advantage of the unknown in this space and intentionally or unintentionally, I won't speculate, defrauding people. <laughs> um, there, there's a lot of, there's been a lot of uncertainty and a lot of churn. And this is still experimental in a lot of ways, even though this space has been evolving for over, over a decade now. But we are optimistic and there's a lot of reasons for that. There's, there are so many advancements taking place at the technological level, the layer one, the layer two level. Um, the developers working on these protocols are achieving great milestones in terms of scalability and transactions per second. So the conventional wisdom had been that with a blockchain technology, you can either have it be scalable or you can have it decentralized. You can't really have both, but there's some really creative solutions that are emerging that are allowing these blockchains to be quite fast and scalable. So that's exciting. And I think that's gonna pave the way for more robust applications that then start to compete with the applications that we use in kind of the web two world that we do most of our day-to-day -day activities on. So optimistic about that, that kind of, is relevant to the decentralized finance space as well, DeFi. DeFi has been an interesting space with a lot of, frankly, scams in the last few years. Ponzinomics, you might call them. But if you can't really figure out where the value is coming from and who's paying the yields, you got to be careful. And so a lot of these these projects have frankly been built on houses of cards, economically speaking, and even technologically speaking. But I think with the pairing with the advancements in the technology that's happening, we're finally going to see decentralized finance applications that can scale and do the transactions that you need to have a meaningful financial application and not just some little Ponzi scheme. So that's promising. And the other thing that we're very excited for this year is gaming. So gaming has been a space that has a lot of gamers are have been a little hesitant about Web3 and blockchain and rightly so have felt that it's another way for game developers to take money from them, <laughs> make them buy NFTs they don't want to buy. But we think that this year is going to be a big year for experimentation in Web3 gaming and not just about making you buy NFTs, but using qualities of blockchain to make games richer, more interoperable and provide experiences 
that maybe traditional games don't today. And actually, this is my little plug. Bloxer is a game that we actually built in-house at Blockhouse. Um, cool. You unlock it with a crypto wallet and all of the characters are like NF NFT crypto memes. So you've got like the rug puller and Wear Doge <laughs> and Degenera, awesome. so some fun characters. That's awesome. I'm connected to a guy named Max. I'm hoping to have him on the podcast pretty soon. But he tracks all the gaming funding activities and things such as that. And I think it's interesting. A lot of VCs and PEs are venture capital firms and private equity firms are finding value in gaming. So I think that's interesting that you mentioned that as well. Yeah, and it's also with the metaverse, which is very related to the concept of Web3. And in my mind, the way I distinguish the two or relate the two is that ultimately Web3 technologies and blockchain technologies are going to be the transaction rails that help the metaverse, whatever the metaverse ends up looking, helps it function. Because the metaverse, in my mind, is how do you bring more richness to your digital life and digital space and create experiences, take in real life experiences and create them richly digital. And Web3 technology and blockchain is how do you transact value in a digital space? So you have to bring these things together to make you know, the, to realize the metaverse in my mind. And I think also with gaming, games are the, mo the closest thing I believe that we have to the metaverse today. It's where a lot of people are, a lot, especially Gen Z, <laughs> spending a lot of time on, on games like Roblox and Minecraft. And I consider these to be proto metaverses where it's a rich online digital immersive experience where people are have their social identities and creating connections and create community. So I think it, the metaverse will evolve from there. I'm trying to make this question succinct, but a little bit of track record on me. I am super positive. When I find out something, I'm like, yeah, this is going to be awesome. It's going to change our life. It'll be great. And that's a good thing. But I think things like the 20, late 2021 and 2022 market shift have given me checks for just how much it will affect our lives when it will happen. I figured I think I read a book 10 years ago on AI and I would have sworn chat GP three would have, would have happened in 2011, but it just mm -hmm. takes, it mm -hmm. takes a lot longer for things, vast technologies right. to change all of our lives. Um, so with that said, do you guys have meetings at work when you're like, okay, but how is this going to affect people? When's it going to happen? And what can we actually give to them today? Because I, I feel like there's people in the marketing world that are like, yeah, this is so awesome. We're going to give it to you today and it's going to be so great. It'll mm -hmm. so impact your lives. And it really may not. And so do y'all have conversations about, okay, this is what we're going to move forward today. This is what we're going to call attention to, but we can't really get there yet. Does that make any sense? Oh, absolutely. Oh, I, totally. And I think you have to ask yourself that question every day and not let yourself just get swept along with the hype because <laughs> that's not useful. And I follow a lot of very smart people on Twitter and elsewhere who are very anti-blockchain and <laughs> Bitcoin and all that just to have a reality check yeah. and 
to balance your view. And these are a lot of very smart people who think that the entire space is ridiculous. Nobody should waste their time on it. And, and it makes you really interrogate what you are doing and who you're doing it for. I, I don't believe that just because there's churn and failed experiments and issues with the space, that that means nobody should be working on it. I don't buy that mentality and I don't think it's useful. I think it's, but I do think it's important to to recognize that blockchain is not, <laughs> can't just slap it on blockchainify everything and it's useful for every right. use case. It's certainly not. And when I was starting in the space in 2017, 2018, in the enterprise context, there was a lot of impulse to try to just put, sprinkle some blockchain on it and see that's if it how I would have better. Been. But really mm. in most contexts, it's, that's not the case. And you can accomplish a lot with a centralized database. And then there's a lot to be said for centralization. <laughs> it's right. very efficient, but keeping that in mind, it, it does force you to really think about how is this useful, especially to end users. The reality is for the majority of the population on planet Earth, this is not impacting their day-to-day -day lives or underpinning everything that they're doing. That's not to say that it won't get there. And you make the AI analogy. And yes, eight, nine, 10 years ago, especially when I was starting my career and there was a lot of excitement about AI and how it was gonna change the world. And yes, there were some applications, especially for enterprise that were really experimenting with AI, but it was hard to see how that was going to, to everyday life. And now we have AI algorithms and capabilities that are embedded in so many of the applications that we use every single day. And now you have things like chat GPT, whereas this is better than Google. I, it's just giving me the answers that I want and helping me do my work and think about problems and giving me like very structured answers. So that, that is mind blowing. It's game changing. And I think that you're right, the, the web three and blockchain space is evolving in a similar way where there's a lot of advancement happening at the base and technological layers. And that is necessary. That evolution is necessary and painful at times. And it's hard to see what that may end up leading to. Once you have that, the foundational technology that becomes really good and the winners will start to emerge at the base layer one, layer two levels, then you have what the applications that will come out of it, that will be built on it, that, that become those useful engines and interfaces with the end consumer and end user. There, there are a lot of people in the general population that are collecting NFTs, holding some crypto, trading, speculating, following projects, and maybe they, uh, maybe they use some DeFi applications, they're earning some yield, they're collecting sports NFTs. There, there's, there's some fun and exciting things happening. I think this is just the beginning of an era where the connection points between brands and consumers and users, it's going to get a lot easier to actually interface with the blockchain in the next few years. There's reason to be optimistic, I think. Yeah. What are you excited about either that you're working on or that you've seen coming? Maybe it's going into the gaming shirt that you have on. Like what has got you pumped up right now? Yes, I think gaming is very exciting to see what kind of experimentation will emerge this year and coming years. I think also brands are going to get a lot smarter about how they think about Web3 and 
the blockchain space. 2022 was definitely a year of a lot of NFT drops and collections of brands uh, releasing limited edition digital collectibles, but not really having the forethought or not really having a full strategy for how this is going to translate into future relationships with their customers and treating it really like an advertising campaign when really it represents a new kind of opportunity from a marketing and a business perspective that it, something like an F NFT is really a, a product and it's a product that you need to think about what is, how does it benefit both your business and the consumer long-term and how can you use it to enrich the relationship you have with a customer and not just make them buy something or collect something that's not useful. I'm excited for how that will start to translate from a business perspective and the strategies that will emerge and how brands use Web3 technology to, to make a better experience for their customers. And gaming's real big. I think DeFi is starting to turn the corner and hopefully we'll at least be smarter and not getting, um, getting scammed by too many more founders, although I'm sure that will still happen. So yeah, there's a lot that excites me about the space. What is your, just when you're talking to people or maybe it's in work, what's your opinion on the brands building community in blockchain, DeFi, Web3, whatever? How would you recommend that somebody that's not building community at all, how would you recommend that they went and started doing that? Yes, that is an essential question. Firstly, you have to have people dedicated to that. You can't just have one one poor in intern who is trying to manage a, like a Discord community or a set of social communities. You need to have a well thought out strategy and team and resources around nurturing that community. Where is the conversation going to live? Who, do, what sorts of customers and relationships? What kind of relationship you want to build with them? What is the, the long term? plan for that community? What is the point of being part of that community? Is it exclusive? Is it a way to give them early access or early insight to, to something? It's, you, you can't just throw the word community around and expect it to, to create something. There's got to be a reason behind it, a reason both for the customer or the consumer to find value in being part of a community but also for the brand to have a strategy on how this becomes a real relationship long-term, just like you would think about a long-term marketing strategy. Um, yeah, it's, it's something that requires some thought and some resources and needs to be aligned with the broader goals of the organization. Yeah, I think we're always talking about how we could further our community and, but the poor intern is what we land on. And so I'm like, okay, I'm not going to do that. So like, how can we as fully paid employees, how can we promote community and really make it a value add to people versus take? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. We're running up against time. I appreciate you so much for coming on here and chat with me. Could you let me know how people could connect with you or your company once this episode comes out. Yes, absolutely. You can find me on Twitter at Carolyn Rogers. And also you can follow Blockhouse at Blockhouse on Twitter, B-L-O-K-H-A-U-S. And you can find us at blockhouse.io as well. Great. We'll put that in the show notes too. 
Thank you so much for coming on, Carolyn. You're a bright individual, and I appreciate you sharing your info. Thanks so much for having me. All right.